0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 74 of the IoT for All podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Chicone, and today's guest is Microchip's Marketing Applications Engineer, Patrick Kennedy, who joins us to talk through some of the key considerations in designing IoT products to scale. For those of you unfamiliar with Microchip technology, they are a leading semiconductor supplier of smart, connected, and secure embedded control solutions. They have an easy-to-use development tools and comprehensive product portfolio, which enables customers to create optimal designs, which reduce risk while lowering total system cost and time to market. Overall, I thought this conversation with Patrick was fantastic. I really enjoyed speaking with him. We talk a lot about designing IoT devices for deployments, the, the kind of philosophy and the process over at Microchip and how they do things. We also talk about how the approach differs based on stage and scale of an IoT solution when it comes to developing those IoT devices for deployment. And then we get into kind of a more a broader discussion around challenges that are experienced in the development of devices and solutions in IoT. So overall, fantastic conversation. I promise it'll be worth listening. listen. But before we get into this episode, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by our wonderful partners over at Core Connect. They believe that things should be simple and they deliver on that promise every day with decades of combined hardware experience and know how to engineer, manufacture, and deliver the first time. Core Connect is an end to end hardware solutions provider enabling businesses to provide world class custom IoT solutions at scale and at disruptive price points. From initial design to the assembly line, Core Connect specializes in a wide range of customized IoT products. All built in the USA. One of the fantastic things about CoreConnect is they can take any concept and transform it into workable prototypes in as little as six weeks. They think outside of the box and give you what you want, not kind of sort of what you want, but they give you exactly what you want the first time around. CoreConnect specifically designs for manufacturing it to optimize production from day one. CE or PTCRB, IP, FCC certification assistance is also available, so make sure you check them out, make sure you reach out to CoreConnect, ask them how they can deliver their extraordinary results for you, and if you do get a chance to talk to Ali tell him that his friends at IoT for All said hello. All right? Well, with all that being said, I hope you enjoy this episode with Patrick Kennedy of Microchip. Welcome Patrick to the IoT for All show. How are things going on your end?
1: Uh pretty good. You know, not so bad. Still still working from home uh, like many other people right. uh, in our industry, but you know,
0: not not too shabby. Good, good, good. Um, Would you mind kind of starting off by giving a quick introduction about yourself? Just talk a little bit more about your experience in the industry, kind of your role over at Microchip, um, and then we'll kind of get started from there.
1: Yeah, sure. So so as you mentioned before, my name is Patrick Kennedy. I'm a marketing applications engineer, uh, as you mentioned, at Microchip Technology Incorporated. Uh, I specifically work in the 8-bit microcontroller business unit. Um, And basically what my role entails there is uh, I basically spend my day... Uh, trying to make developers' lives easier by creating useful tutorials, videos, and other, basically digital training uh, and documentation uh, uh, materials. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so a big part of that has to do with you know usually when people want to go make a uh, a product or the next device, the first place they turn to um, will usually be Google, and so. Ideally, if someone decides that they want to use one of uh, one of microchips, many, uh, many embedded embedded system uh, chips that they have the materials that they need to um, to to make and design what you know what they're trying to do in a right. timely manner, but also ensure that, you know, that it's something they can really go to production with uh, when they actually want to make it a, a full fledged product.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Now, can you um, provide a little bit of high level overview of Microchip and what you all do? I know a lot of our audience are probably very familiar with what um, kind of the company does and your role in IoT, but I'd love to kind of get your, your kind of, um, you know, you're in your own words, what Microchip does, and the role you all play in the IoT space.
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, so Microchip technology is, uh, I mean, now it's, it's a pretty massive company. Now they basically, they uh, Sell so in terms of the products that they, they sell, um, it ranges from things like like I mentioned the eight bit microcontrollers all the way up to thirty two bit mm-hmm. microcontrollers and microprocessors um, to to higher end um, you know devices that are used in in areas like data centers, um, digital power supplies. Um, I think even, I think now we even sell, um, full-fledged atomic clocks, if okay. I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't personally work with those products, but yeah, I mean, the, their portfolio at this point is, is pretty broad reaching. And, um, we basically touch every, um, aspect of the, the IOT, uh, chain, if you will, right. Ranging from, uh, edge nodes, um, to more things, a little bit more sophisticated, uh, hardware, um, such as, you know, FPGAs that could be used in, in data centers or even for things like machine learning uh, at the edge. Awesome. So it's, it's really um, we basically sell the the underlying hardware that uh, allows uh, allows all of those mm-hmm. things to exist. Um, in addition to obviously all of the the tools and um, stuff that, that makes it easier to to develop those things.
0: Awesome. Well, that's great. I appreciate that quick overview. Now, I mean, I've been familiar with Microchip for for a while and you guys do some fantastic stuff. So it's great to have you as a guest on the show. Um, And I wanted to start off kind of our, our main conversation talking a little bit more about the uh, designing IoT devices for deployment and kind of can if you can take me through your process, you know, uh, what does a typical customer engagement look like? You know, how does modular design process kind of work into that and just the overall like, philosophy you have when it comes to or the way you think about designing IoT devices for deployment?
1: Yeah, sure. Sure. So, I mean, there's, there's, well, there is, I think a distinction between uh, kind of what, you know, obviously my philosophy will be biased to one sampling size and and generally what people do. Um, A lot of the times what I see people personally do is, um, you know, they'll go and make, uh, you know, some, some, let's say they'll rapidly prototype something that they really want to, to deploy. Um, And many times um, they might overlook some of the, uh, some of the, 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 factors that would really make their lives easier when they go to deploy, specifically if, if you start, um, uh, you know, if you're planning on making, a, uh, let's just say an, an edge node that you're just transmitting, I don't know, temperature data, uh, in an agricultural setting. Right. Um, one thing is, uh, what kind of uh, wireless connectivity you're going to use, what kind of sensors you're going to use, um as well as what kind of security that kind of application needs. And not only that, but making sure that the way that you design your system can you can deploy, let's say, you know, a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand of these nodes um, while maintaining all of those requirements. And then additionally, uh, I mean, another really big consideration is, you know, how do you design the product so that when you find other applications for it um, or as technology changes, um, you reduce right. the uh, the amount of work you need to to do to rework the system. So, as you mentioned before, uh, a big part of that is or, or can be modularity, right? So, um, a lot of our solutions that that we uh, take that approach with uh, is with, as you mentioned, for some of our development tools, um, where we basically partition a lot of the functionality amongst various chip rather than chips rather than putting it all in one single chip. Uh, and the benefit of that would be. Um, In a lot of cases, right, is that basically if you let's say you made a solution like I mentioned for the agricultural setting, uh, maybe you started off using um, I don't know, perhaps you were using Wi-Fi for some reason. Um, You know, if you want to switch over to using something like LoRa, which is you know more of a low bandwidth, uh, larger range um, wireless communication protocol, um, you know, if if everything is on one chip. Uh, then you very well might have to change, uh, you know, change your design completely from the ground up rather than if, if that one functionality, you know, the hardware is placed onto one specific module, uh, you can basically uh, hot swap the module for various other, you know, other, other chips, which can really help in terms of in terms of the design cycle. Right. Oh, yeah, I was, was going to say the other the other aspect that we kind of really focus on is uh, security, right? So a lot of times the other things that people do really? is they'll make a device and security ends up being kind of an afterthought, something that they can implement, you know, somewhere down the line whenever they, they get far enough. Um, whereas a lot of mm-hmm. our development solutions are, are basically turnkey and ready to go with our we have a, a something called the Trust Flex platform that works with our uh, one of our security chips. Um but basically, it just allows people to decide how they would like to deploy um, what's called a, a public key infrastructure, which is really, um, you know, the, the top notch security that you could do for an IoT system that is distributed okay. and uh, it, it's very robust and it's kind of a, a right. pain to maintain uh, and implement on on your own. And so. Uh, I mean, just in general, to be honest, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, security is an interesting topic. You know, we think you know, we talk a lot about security on here and um, it is oftentimes an afterthought for a lot of our um, or for a lot of a lot of companies that are building solutions. And it kind of comes back to bite them later on. So, we, you know, the advice that we've kind of heard from a lot of our guests is to ensure that you're thinking about IoT security at the beginning um, and bake that in because dealing with it later is much more of a painful and expensive process
1: yeah yeah definitely definitely and i mean the the risks of you know of of um a security breach even are are pretty um you know that the backlash from that is is quite substantial uh, yeah. you know I mean it's
0: it's always better to uh to avoid it in the first place if you can. Right. So now, as we talking about your your approach and 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 how you all operate, how does that differ depending on the stage or the scale of an IoT system? For instance, if we're talking about the development process for large scale solutions or systems, you know, how do, how do you guys think if at all different um, depending on that size and scale?
1: Yeah, sure. So so um, and I mean IoT is a fairly uh, an ambiguous term, so I always try to define right. it a little bit more, at least point out, like you said, the use cases. So. Um, With regards to, I guess, designing for deployment, specifically at scale, I like to compare it to the the design methodologies for uh, uh, what's usually termed as design for manufacture. Right. So, for example, if you're making a solid, uh, the the solid part of a product, right, um, generally you can design it in such a way that, you know, when you send it off to get a prototype, they'll make it for you. No problem. Um, and then when you actually want to make thousands of those parts and you want them all to be assembled in an efficient manner, many times that requires a different design process, um, or at least different design considerations. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. so we kind of follow the same, the same sort of mantra, but obviously with electronics, uh, that kind of takes a, a different, um, a different flavor, a different twist. Right. So one, one thing to, for example, that we always consider, um, is, as I mentioned, the modularity aspect, um, not only in terms of, uh, the wireless connectivity part that I just mentioned to you, but even, um, by partitioning other, other aspects of functionality. Um, so a big part of that has to do with, for example, if you have the MCU doing a few specific tasks, you know, if you need to upgrade, um, MCUs or, or to another processor in general, uh, you're not losing as much of your functionality. It's very defined. Or in the case of if you're using a, um, a security IC or integrated circuit or a chip or whatever you want to call it, um, and you're partitioning your security security onto that chip. You know, if if something happens where um, there is a, you know, a, a security vulnerability um, that is exposed you don't have to completely switch, uh, to a different architecture or, you know, to a different chip entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you do, it's only changing that one component. So you don't have to do, um, completely redesign your, your PCB. Um, so we, I mean, a lot of our, our approaches is, is more from an, an embedded side. Um, the other thing that I mentioned is uh, or that I wanted to fo- touch on was, uh, you know, depending on how many devices, uh, you plan on deploying and how critical that information is uh that will play a huge role in this okay. kind of system design right because i uh, mentioned before you know it, in the case of uh, an agricultural setting where you're just you know you want like maybe weather information or or the like that has different um uh, that is a different consequence if something fails versus say uh, a connected car right especially if there's when you start getting into, uh, like autonomous cars or even things that, you know, essentially, I mean, even in an industrial plant, things that when they fail, um, what happens when they fail? So it's basically a failure uh, modes analysis. And then, um, additionally, uh, you know, basically mitigating those failure mechanisms so that they fail gracefully, uh, if that makes sense. Um, the scale one is really important because a lot of people don't realize this but not all um not all all, all uh, microchips <laughs> no pun intended uh are able to be bought in lim- limited quantities right uh, so meaning that uh for example uh not every company can go and place an order for a thousand um a thousand chips of, of the ones that are on uh, if you're familiar with something like a, a raspberry Pi, uh, a lot of those kinds of things uh have a minimum order quantity so if you plan on you know going to production with a thousand to ten thousand pieces uh there are a lot of companies who will say eh, it's not worth it for us we only deal with customers that are you know much higher order quantity like a million pieces which is pretty uh you know, especially for, for startups, that's, that's a big cost. I mean, hardware is very expensive compared to, um, you know, compared to uh, software, right? Cause it's a whole supply chain issue.
0: Yeah. And, um, yeah. And that's super interesting because, uh, I think oftentimes companies going into these solution development don't realize that, um, or they think that a solution, I'm sorry, the software piece is super, easy to fix and change and there should be you know and software should almost be free and then the hardware piece it's a little bit more difficult of a process but um based on the solution or the use case itself there are a lot of intricate details that need to be worked into pieces of hardware in order to it to be optimized for that use case i think that oftentimes it's overlooked
1: yeah yeah i i I agree uh you know wholeheartedly there's an idea that uh this this sort Mm -hmm. of like agile methodology that's very popular and a lot of like web development environments and, and application environments is um you know that it can be extended everywhere and we've seen a lot of the times that in in hardware uh and in embedded system development in particular it's it can't be quite as um it can't be quite as agile just because uh it, there's a lot of other issues that pop up right you can't just push an update i mean e- even pushing a um an over-the-air update mm-hmm. of the of the firmware to your device you know that even requires uh, some very specific security concerns, depending on what kind of function that embedded system is handling. And that's another kind of consideration that a lot of people don't, um, you know, might not think about when they're when they're prototyping. Uh, which is important because, you know, really it's nice to have a prototype, but ideally that prototype is very close to what you can go to, to manufacture with, because in general, hardware is very, you know, capital intensive. Like we just mentioned the software, I don't have to manage, uh, or manage quite nearly the same, uh, scale of a supply chain where I'm having other, uh, where I'm having contract manufacturers, uh, you know, assemble, um, and, and manufacture my PCBs and I have to someone, have someone else assemble them. And then, you know, if I send out a, a bunch of product that has defects, sure. you know, I'm, those are losses for me. It's it. versus, you know, a piece of software, I could just ship it to you. And if it breaks, I'll just send you an update.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I wanted to transition a little bit into talking about a number of different challenges that uh, companies experience in IoT, and kind of have you provide your input um, from from kind of from your your side of things. And which, which is definitely a unique perspective compared to a lot of our previous guests. Um, we have a list here, and I know we've kind of discussed it ahead of time. But um, what I wanted to do is kind of run through these. And the first one has to do with kind of navigating various terminologies of cloud provider services and APIs, which is something that is oftentimes very difficult for companies to understand, especially the ones that are not technical. They understand IoT in the the sense that they know what it can do for their business, but they don't understand uh, all the technical terminology. That's one of the reasons IoT for All was created was to help educate those uh, in the industry or connected to the industry that may not be the most technical. But um, with some different names and different you know with the same functionality you know all trying to differentiate each other how have you guys seen um the companies or what advice do you have for companies looking to kind of navigate those various terminologies and you know when it comes to cloud provider services apis and so forth
1: uh yeah yeah that's a really good uh really good question Um, so uh, basically what what we kind of take the approaches of is of um you know, we very much try to make our hardware versatile enough that regardless of the the cloud you pick, whether it's a public cloud provider um, or a private one, or you're even hosting it on on premises, you can use any of those services you decide. And um, Because, you know, once you're tied into a service and you build your infrastructure on whoever's platform, you are very much tied into their, uh, not only like you mentioned their technology, but also, uh, you know, their, their, um, well, I'm not going to get into the naming conventions, but but uh, their pricing as well, and that's really uh, a really critical thing to consider because mm-hmm. as much as we like to claim that you know cloud computing is um, is cheap, the reality is, is once you get up to up to a certain scale, it's really not that cheap, um, and there's a lot of processing on that can be done on device uh, that you know, that will really cut down on the amount of money you're going to be paying to, to process all of this incoming data. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's kind of how, how we've taken that approach to, to kind of navigating all of those different provider services. And a lot of the materials that we develop, we try to generalize, um, not so much the, you know, we, we kind of do have to point out the terminology a little bit, Um, but at least trying to explain, you know, the, the concepts behind it. So, for example, the the concept of uh, serverless computing, right, which is uh, basically what, what I would call them as cloud functions, where you don't have to. You can write one basically basic function to connect services together and you don't have to worry about, you know, uh, hosting that computation on some server. They do all of that for you. Mm-hmm. Um what I've noticed is that a variety of cloud providers will have different names just for that function, and sometimes it's not even uh, necessarily intuitive, especially for someone uh, who's new to that, um, to to basically figure out what's you know what's the difference between the two. Um, now, granted, I mean a lot of these cloud providers they do have their own distinct features. It's just they're very um, particular in, in what they are. So we try to highlight those the things that are actually differentiated at least from an, uh, an embedded standpoint um and then we also try to make sure that we make our products uh the documentation and and learning materials around our products uh similar right because it, we see a lot of times when people come from a software background uh they don't necessarily have a lot of the embedded knowledge and it's it's the same kind yeah. of uh the same, the same dilemma, if you will. Right. Because really when you look at the whole, the whole IOT stack, if you will, it actually is quite substantial. How much technical knowledge is, is there, right. right? I mean, you have things like the hardware, then you have the sensors, then you have the embedded firmware, then you have the actual wireless connectivity aspect of it. Then you have the cloud computing aspect of it, which is almost starting to get more into to things like it. Um, And then you have the web development part of it for a lot of people that want to, you know, to to have a a web application that can access this data and act upon it. Um, Each of those fields are, you know, in and of themselves, quite complex. So I think it's what we try to do is a lot of the time is point out the the fundamentally important things about each one and then provide enough materials so that um, whichever one uh, the a user or a business decides is, is the key thing for their product, they can focus on that. And then they have enough in another area to get them to a, a scalable spot. Is what I would say, not beyond, beyond just a, a just work spot. It should be something that is, is scalable. Cause a lot of these systems do depend on scale. Right.
0: So now if we move into talking about something else that was briefly kind of alluded to earlier, but talking about, um, kind of the the data and the information and, you know, the analytics in a sense that come through these solutions. And when we oftentimes request or customers oftentimes request real-time analytics and can you talk a little bit more about the difference in what is considered real-time in embedded applications, web applications, business processes and so forth and kind of how that plays into the development? Piece. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. So I think this kind of comes with a uh, uh, one of the dilemmas of of this this uh, enigma or this cloud of of technologies that are all included in the the IoT landscape, right? And a lot of the times, it seems that uh, businesses have an idea that they know this 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 thing can provide value, um, but the the value that it's providing is not always. Uh, necessarily defined, uh, or defined well is what I would say, for example, so in the case of real time analytics, because I see this one a lot, right. Um, the, the difference in what is considered real time in an embedded application or embedded system versus a web application versus even a business process uh, varies wildly, right? I mean, in an embedded system, uh, for example, your car engine or even, you know, there's something like 70 different engine control units in the modern day car, right? You can imagine that in a lot of, in a lot of those systems, whether it's controlling the controller for your braking system, the controllers for your engine, those are the kind of things where if, you know, if, if, uh, if there's a deviation from its real time constraints on the order of, uh, of, you know, Mm -hmm. milliseconds, uh, that has serious consequences versus something like a web application where, um, I believe the, uh, time length of even just like human perception is like roughly half a second or 0.7 seconds or something like that. Um, you know, it's, it's not as mission critical. So the definition of real time there could be maybe like, you know, a second, right. Which is, it sounds like, like, you know, splitting hairs, but, uh, it, that is something to, to consider, right? I mean, even in the case of, of business processes, right? For if you're looking at analytics from a, a business-wide standpoint, you know, in and in a lot of those cases, you might just want to see, uh, you know, everything that's happened in the past week. And you might check this uh, this report or this dashboard once a week. Um, so if it's trailing by, a, I don't know, a day, you know, that's as real time as you really need for, for what you're trying to do. Um, I think it's important because this really will inform what functions and what what aspects of your IOT system um, should be done you know, on device versus on a local server versus um, what can be done in the cloud. And then also you can identify Uh, you know, basically what, uh, what is the real value and also mitigate a lot of the costs associated uh, with that? Because I mean, it's as, as inexpensive as computation has become, it's still not free. Um, and I've even noticed in my own, my own foray into, into, uh, you know, playing around with some of these, some of these various cloud services, it's very easy to, um, to rack up charges without realizing it if you're not careful.
0: Now, how does kind of the types and the frequency of data play into the power within a device? So thinking about like a low power kind of optimizing low power consumption and so forth. You know, we need to maximize how much time the device is not being active and being, you know, reporting the data, collecting the data kind of in a sleep mode, if you will. Um, to, to ensure the battery lasts as long as possible. So how does kind of that data piece that we're just talking about play into, um, optimizing devices and chips for, for low power consumption?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, certainly, you know, putting your device into sleep is, is really key, especially if you're, um, you know, for these devices that you want to be, uh, out in the, out in the wild, so to speak for, let's say three, five, 10 years. Right. Um. So really, the main approach that we, we examine to do that is uh, we use a lot of, uh, of what we call, um, this is somewhat of a marketing, they call them, we call them core independent peripherals. But basically what that means is you have various features on, uh, in, a, in this case, a microcontroller that can do a lot of the... Um, A lot of this Mm -hmm. this processing, although it's very specific processing without the need for CPU intervention, meaning you can just leave the device asleep and everything will will work itself out uh, on its own. Um, So that includes things like um, uh, peripherals that will do uh, will perform like uh, sensor readings. So that's like an ADC. Uh, We have uh, system comms. uh, So that would be, you know, if you need to talk to other chips, maybe to a wireless module or even. like a security IC, uh, we can uh, basically do a lot of those things while leaving the device um, asleep or in other low power modes that are uh, maybe not quite as low as sleep, but uh, it only requires very minimal CPU utilization, which is is really actually uh, beneficial as well in terms of uh, kind of having a deterministic solution. So if you remember back what I was saying right. about real time and embedded systems, uh determinism is really important because you basically need to ensure that, you know, whatever jobs are critical, especially timing critical, that they're done right on time because the consequences could be could be quite dire. Um and that's that's you know, and all all of these these things like the the on-device peripherals, um and 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 such i mean they they will vary depending on what a an application needs to do how long you plan on you know leaving it out where you plan on leaving it out i mean for example can you use trickle charge you know if so what kind of power management do you have um or do you need rather um as well as you know for your application how often do you really need to transmit data like for example like do, do you need to transmit data every second or can you just you know basically log all of the data from the past 6 hours um, and then wake up the device right. and send it all at one time.
0: That makes total sense. Now, how does, I mean, this, this might be a little unrelated to what we we're just talking about, but like it's another component of kind of the whole development cycle that companies need to be thinking about when they're, especially when they're thinking about planning the hardware piece. So this relates more to, you know, now we've made decisions on the types of data, the types of analytics we need to have done, you know, how real time it needs to be, you know, how we're optimizing for for power consumption. Now we need to get these things built. So on the supply chain side, you know, let's say you have the pro type ready to go. What are the problems or, or I guess, what advice do you have for companies kind of starting down that, that supply chain or that order path where they're thinking now we need to get, you know, 10,000, a hundred thousand of these devices. Um, how are we going to get this done in an efficient way? Is that something that, you know, you would be sourcing the parts for? Is it something that, um, you know, I guess just in general, what advice do you have when people venture down or companies venture down that, um, that supply chain? part which is usually you know a hectic process especially when you're very unfamiliar with with kind of that whole road. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well well I mean here at um I mean at Microchip we do have
1: a lot of uh, basically design partners that are very familiar with that uh process and these are, you know, the third party companies that mm-hmm. they basically each of them will specialize in um you know what might be best for a specific product. Um so, for example, right, if I'm making some some kind of medical device that has its own set of regulations and testing that need to be done um, or even in things like automotive and a lot of, let's just say, uh, like appliances or even industrial, right? That those also have very specific regulations and mm-hmm. how you validate your design, which really kills a lot of products in terms of, you know, because because if time is money, right, I mean, that's right, right. that's going to bleed a lot of these a lot of these products because you know they're trying to get just to market um now that being said uh i my i guess my biggest recommendation is is being uh being able to be as agile as, as possible with your part selection um, is really important because you know if you have a prototype um, and find out like oh the the main processor that we've been using that we've written all the firmware for uh, you know like they the lead times on this are uh 15 weeks or something like that right um you know it's it's, it's not uh, <laughs> unfortunately the uh we don't have microchip uh, right. uh, uh, microchip 2 day shipping yet <laughs> <laughs> So it's 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 uh, I mean, it does require collaboration with some of these semiconductor companies, but a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, being agile yourself as as a designer. And this is kind of a big part why we advocate for a a more modular design, because it makes um, it makes your design a little bit easier to reconfigure as you run into these issues. but but i mean yeah those are my i mean my main recommendations uh, personally as well as you know working with design partners can be extremely uh, extremely beneficial and that's that's why I mean, a lot of them will specialize in very specific areas like medical lighting automotive all those areas and um uh, i think a big aspect is never discount uh the amount of regulatory compliance you will have to do for a product. So for example, in the case of IoT, many people think of wireless connectivity um, as a given, right? Um, but for example, to be part of the uh for example, the the Bluetooth SIG alliance, to be able to say that your product is a Bluetooth product um, on the packaging, you have to pay uh mm-hmm. this the SIG to validate that that you know that you are complying to their standard. Um, which basically means, you know, you ship them, your design, they test it out in their lab, you pay them a fee for doing that. And they'll send it back to you and tell you like, Hey, this is good. You can, here's your, um, your number that you pay, you know, that your number, uh, you, your, your ID as a company, or they'll say, oh, you need to, you know, you need to reassess this design, which is a big part. Why, uh, we use a lot of our wi- wireless modules are already, um, certified with a lot of these Various uh, these these industry groups, right? Because it it really does help cut down on on development time,
0: which makes total sense. I mean, you got the it's these are often things that companies are not thinking about, and that's why IoT is such a partner driven ecosystem, and we encourage that partnerships um, be kind of the focal point, because if you try to do everything yourself or you try to um, handle all the different aspects of an IoT solution, whether you're building for another company or you're building for yourself, it's just there's so many things you may not think about or you may not know well enough to to avoid these roadblocks um, and common pitfalls without spending tons of money and tons of time. And I think as IoT kind of progresses and gets uh, it becomes more popular and adoption increases, hardware gets, you know, more sophisticated. The hardware get improves to the point where it's everything be, almost becomes turnkey. You, know, you don't have to worry about a lot of these problems. But we're still early in the IoT space in the sense that you know we do have to still worry about regulations. We still have to worry about how supply chain is going to work. We're still going to have to worry about how to optimize for power consumption for particular use cases. And not necessarily will those ever go away, but they'll get more common to be able to be handled in a more efficient manner. Um, and, and, all this advice you're sharing, I think is fantastic.
1: Thanks. Yeah. I mean, thanks for having me on here. I, I love talking about this kind of stuff. So, yeah. And I enjoy your podcast. Well, so. Thanks. I appreciate that.
0: I wanted to ask just before we kind of wrap up here, um, from a use case perspective on your end, particularly relating more to your role, I know you guys have a couple um, kind of products, I like guess AVR IoT and, and PIC or PIC IoT development boards that handle uh, AWS and Google Cloud Platform support, and I was very interested to kind of get a sense of what those are and kind of the purpose of them as it relates to kind of what you do for Microchip.
1: Sure, yeah. So, so the uh, the, the AVR IoT and PIC IoT development boards. Um, basically, what they are is it's it's a solution board that allows you to quickly develop a uh, a sensor node application. Um, and, and quickly get up and running, connecting to both of those platforms. Um, and we, we keep adding more and more platforms every, uh, every few months. So, um, but basically what allows you, allows you to do is quickly get up connected to their services so that you can start playing around, um, and really start building okay. your device. Um, so one of the really difficult things that, that, that we notice amongst, uh, especially, uh, even current customers, right. Is you have... You have people coming in and uh you know this might be a guy that works uh or or this might be an engineer rather that works uh maybe his whole life he's been uh designing water softeners let's just say so he has all aspects of the water softener embedded design uh uh, embedded design uh you know he's got it down like the back of his hand Uh, and then the boss comes to him and says you know hey we need to come out with a, with a new product. Uh, and we're, what we're going to do is we're going to make all of these, all of our devices connect to, uh, you know, users phones or they're going to connect to the cloud and, and we're going to offer them services, uh, you know, to refill their water softener, and they're going to pay two dollars a month for it you know, something like that. Um, now this guy has to go and learn a bunch about, uh, cloud technologies, web app development, um, security, wireless connectivity, Um, it's, and like we kind of talked about before the the technology stack is pretty daunting. Um, and in reality, I mean, he might not build all these things himself right off the bat, but he does need to usually get some kind of prototype done. Right. Um, so basically what these boards do is, uh, what these development kits do is they highlight how you could do this, uh, on a limited, on a resource limited device, um, and they include kind of all the aspects that, that I kind of just mentioned, right? So modularity, um, you know, it still has security on board with, with our, um, ECC 608A, I think is the, the tool on there, um, for, for deploying a, a private key infrastructure. And we even have for a, a variety of uh, provisioning tools so that you don't have to go in and mess with all of the certificates. You basically just run a, a quick script and, um, you're up and running. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's kind of the gist of what the boards do um, with regards to what we've done with them. Specifically, I actually have worked along with uh, a few of my colleagues in developing basically a, an IOT developer roadmap or or stack, right, um, which kind of covers not only. How to do certain things with these services and even the boards. Um, So, for example, how to partition processing and how to just to decide processing between, you know, what should be done on device versus on the cloud. but also more, uh, more theoretical topics or the more of the the concepts behind certain topics. So, so customers actually know, um, or so so people know what they're doing when they say like, Oh, I'm, I'm implementing security. Like this is, this is the level of security I'm, I'm providing on, on this product. Um, because usually what happens in my experience is if you go into a, a room of people and start talking about security, uh, the, the the nomenclature and the, uh, the terminology is, is about as cryptic as a, as the technology itself. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, really what it is is a turn turnkey solution. So that, uh, you know, that individual that I mentioned, that engineer that, you know, he, he only has so much time in his, his day. And in the case of, you know, his water softener thing, the, the web, the web app might be the most important thing. Uh, he really just wants to get, you know, data into the cloud, and then he can figure out what to what to do with it there. Um, In other cases, you know, it might be that people uh, they really need to focus on the wireless part. And in that case, it's it serves as an example of how you would do that um, while basically minimizing uh, uh, the resources consumed to oversee that messaging. Uh, in this case, over like an MQTT.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I appreciate you kind of sharing those insights because, you know, we, I've, I've seen the products um, and just wanted to kind of get our audience understand because I think they serve a very valuable benefit to kind of what the, you know, what the purpose is and how they can kind of help get, you know, up to speed and relatively quickly into, into IoT development. Um, as we kind of speak on that same light, as, as we finish up here, what, um, I, I know you guys are working on a guide for regarding cloud-connected IoT design. Um, do you know when that will be done and if that if so like where how what's the best way to kind of get access to, to those guides and resources that you all share
1: um, yes so that is due to be uh, due to be published I believe um, by the end of, of this of this week um, and so you can find it uh, either on the we have a, a few different product pages on our website but then we also have uh, it's actually most of it will be housed on, a, okay. on our, our github repository Um which I can, I'm, I don't remember the, the, I think it's pick and AVR solutions, uh, uh on GitHub is, is what the, the, okay. the, uh, the page is called. Um, so it should be there. Uh, yeah, like I said, the next couple of days it's, it's due to be published. So, um, I'd highly recommend, yeah, to check it out. If you uh, you're, you're curious about learning more about, you know,
0: the iot developer uh, stack basically fantastic yeah we'll make sure we link all that up um in our description and and article that we write up for these episodes as well so our audience can find it more easily but other than that patrick i really appreciate your time Uh, it's been great to kind of share your insights from your all's point of view um talk about a lot of the you know different advice that, that i think will help a lot of people out there listening so again appreciate your time and thanks for being on the show thanks for having me all right everyone thanks again for listening to that episode of the iot for all podcast Um, I hope you found a lot of value in that episode. If you did, we'd truly appreciate it if you would leave a rating or review on whichever platform you're listening to us on. Also, feel free to subscribe to our social media, our newsletter, or the podcast itself to get the latest episodes as soon as they become available. Uh, If you do have any ideas on potential guests that you may be uh, or you think would be a great guest on the podcast or you'd like to see us kind of talk to to get more insights into um, how they do things in the IoT space, please feel free to reach out to me at ryan at iotforall.com. We'd be happy to do everything we can to get them on the show. But other than that, thanks again